This lesson is designed to help us understand what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. This defines our true identity in Christ and teaches us how to live out our inheritance in him. For the last several weeks we've been doing a series that we've been calling foundations. Um this is track 1 where we said let's talk about some basic topics uh foundational truths that are needed to take a new believer to becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ and so we've been going on very simple elementary topics and yet very necessary topics uh for us as as believers in the lord so that we could mature into being disciples of Jesus Christ we've covered nine of them today we want to do the 10th one which is simply understanding or recognizing who we are in Christ this topic is very simple and yet i think it is so essential for every believer to understand and to know in their hearts of who they are in Christ it's so important it's, it's foundational that all of us as believers really understand what god has done for us and in us when he has brought us into union with jesus christ brought us into christ and that's what it really means to be a christian and somebody are you a christian it doesn't mean you have a christian name it doesn't necessarily mean you you know you belong you've signed up as a member member in some christian church or you've been sprinkled with some water you can go through all that and still not be a christian a christian is somebody who is in christ You're either in Christ or you're not in Christ. And if you're in Christ, then that's what makes you a Christian. Amen. Now, in order to try to understand what God has done for us in Christ, perhaps uh, a a simple way to put it is to talk about a rags to riches story. Just think about a little kid abandoned kid on the streets he has nothing he has no identity doesn't don't even know who his parents are lives off the streets for his food and for his survival he goes to the you know the garbage and tries to get some food there uh his whole mentality is on survival survival for that one day i've got to make it through today Every other person he sees he looks at them with very uh, antagonistic feelings maybe they're coming to take away his only food that the little food he has or the the little shirt that he has on his back and and his whole life is one of survival but imagine if a really 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 rich man came and said to this little kid I'm adopting you as my son come to my house so this man asks what's your name he says i don't know my name those people call me chotu those people call me motu those call this i don't know what my name is i don't know what my parents say i have i don't have any identity this such man says i'll give you my name you'll be known as my son come into this house It's not just one room. It's a house of rooms, many rooms. All this is yours. And clothes, all these cupboards full of clothes, they're all yours. Food. Just ring the bell. 
People will come. Whatever you want. It's all there for you. Got all these people to attend on you. This is yours. This kind of describes what God has done for us in the realm of the Spirit. When He brought us into Christ. He literally took us from rags to riches, if you will. In the Spirit, in things of the Spirit. Amen? But now, if this kid lives in this big palace or mansion that he's given, but he still has that street mentality. He still thinks everything that's said on the table, he's got to better take it and put it in the cupboard. Otherwise, you know, he won't have the next meal. He still lives in that street mentality. His life isn't going to be very different. Even though all this has been given to If he still lives in survival mode, if he still thinks that he owns nothing, he has nothing, if he still feels like an abandoned child and, and is unable to unlearn what he adapted on the street and now begin to embrace what has been freely given to him. If he's unable to make that change, he'll still live like, live like a street kid in a big mansion. Sadly, many of us believers, and they're not saying this to condemn us. I'm just saying this to challenge us to embrace the truth. Sadly, many of us believers live like that. God has done so much for us in Christ, but we still have a world mentality. We still have a street kid mentality. But that needs to change. And the best way to change that is to understand, to receive an understanding, a revelation of who we are in Christ. Understand what God has done for you and me in Christ. Now, we have a publication available, a free publication that's called Who We Are in Christ that covers all these 130, 140 scriptures in the New Testament that talk about who we are in Christ. And so I'm not going to cover all that this morning, but just kind of bring a few thoughts out from the Word of God and this is what God has done for us in Christ. I'd encourage you seriously to go pick up that free publication or download it off the website and study it. Read every verse. Digest every verse of Scripture in the New Testament that tells you who you are in Christ. You will not be the same. You will not be the same. Your whole way of life, life, everything will change when you embrace the truth of who you are in Christ. It's going to require a little bit of work because you've got to go to the words. Nobody else can do that for you. But when you do that, it will change everything. This morning is just like, you know, a little appetizer of who we are in Christ and we're not going to cover everything. The fact is we are in Christ and Jesus described it in one way. He said, you know, I am the wine, you are the branches. So you see yourself as a branch on the wine. You are connected to the wine. You are in Him. And what's in Him is in you. The wine life is flowing through you. I mean, that's powerful. What's in Him 
is flowing through you. He is righteousness. It's in you. He is godliness. He is, it's in you. He is love. It's flowing through you. He is, all His virtues are flowing through you because you are connected to the wine. Amen? He is the wine. You're a branch on the wine. 2 Corinthians 5.17, again, a starting point into discovering who we are in Christ. The Bible says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. He's not a makeover. He's not even turned a new leaf. Some people say, oh, you turned a new leaf. You got very religious. Listen, it's more deeper than just becoming religious. Religious, you can do it on the outside. But being a new creation is something happens deep inside you. It changes you from inside out. It's not a makeover. You know, now you're putting lipstick and perfume, deodorant, whatever. It's not like that. It's something deep inside you. You are a new creation. That has happened to you because you have come into Christ Jesus. It means you and I are, have a new identity. We were once sinners, now we're saints. We were once guilty, but now in Christ we are justified. We were once unrighteous, but now we are the righteousness of God. We're no longer what we used to be spiritually. So we must try to understand this truth and live out of that. Because the Bible says, in Him we live and move and have our So living out of who we are in Christ is the kind of life we are called to live. And when you and I live out of who we are in Christ, understanding this truth and living out of it is going to change everything. Number one, it will change your self-image, how you perceive yourself. Many of us, especially teenagers, as we go through our teenage years and into our early 20s, we struggle with this whole issue of self-image. You want to be like, Michael Jackson, Shah Rukh Khan, or sorry, or you know, pick the latest star from Bollywood, want to be like her. So you kind of talk like her, walk like her, try to dress up like her. You're trying to find your identity. And sometimes when you're moving among your peers, it's quite easy to develop the wrong things. Somebody else gets more marks than you. You begin to develop, develop an inferiority complex. I'm not as good as the others, you know. The, 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 the teacher likes him more than me. Or, you know, my parents like my elder brother more than me. All these kinds of things. We struggle with it as teenagers and those going into early 20s. Now, here's what I learned. When I was a teenager and I began to discover this truth, I learned that just knowing who I am in Christ solves my whole self-image issue problems, issues. That's it. So today, if somebody says, you know, I'm struggling with my self-image, for me, my answer is, you just need to know who you are in Christ and live out of that. Because who you are in Christ is who you really are. That's your identity. And when you begin to see yourself 
as who you are in Christ and, and the riches God has given to you in Jesus, then you're not going to be bothered if somebody else succeeds and somebody else is better than you and somebody else you know, has more money and does this, this. No, no, you're completely at peace because your identity is not based in success or material things or the marks you get or people's opinion of you. Your identity is solid in who you are in Jesus. And that is eternal. That is more real than what you see in the natural. What's in the natural can pass away. It's here today, gone tomorrow. But your identity in Jesus Christ will never change. It's what God has done for you in Christ. The seasons of life will come and go. There will be ups and there will be downs. There will be mountains, there will be valleys, there will be challenges, there will be discouragements. All these things will come and go. But who you are in Christ and your identity in Jesus will not change. And so you've got a solid self-image. It's not based on your abilities. It's based on what God has done for you in Christ. It affects the way you relate to God. Instead of relating to God like a street kid. God, I'm so sorry. I have nothing in life. If you love me, God, please help me find something today. Instead of relating to God like that, you say, God, I thank you. You've blessed me. Thank you for all that you've done. You, you have, the way you relate to God changes when you understand who you are in Christ. The way you relate, the way you face challenges and difficulties in life will also change. All of us face challenges. All of us face difficulties. But when you understand your identity in Christ, how you face those challenges will change. You will face them out of who you are in Jesus Christ. It'll change your lifestyle, the way you live, your values, the way you perceive things. It will change how you face demons and demonic powers. You're not going to be afraid of the devil or scary stories or haunted houses. You're not afraid of those things because you are in Christ. Your friends say, hey, that house is haunted, man. Let's take the other road. Hey, come on, man. Come on. I know who I'm in Christ, you know. I'm in God and no devil can touch me. I'm in a place of immunity because he who dwells in the secret place of the Almighty shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I'm under his shadow. I'm kept under him. Amen. So you're not afraid of devils and demons and dungeons and dragons. It will change the way you relate to people. Increases your capacity to forgive, to love, to be patient, to... Uh, because you're not drawing out of your own strength. He is the wine. You're a branch on the wine. So you're drawing out of what's in him. His capacity to love. His capacity to forgive. His capacity to be patient. Changes the way you relate to people. Amen? So let's talk about a few things. But I really want you to enc- encourage you to pick up that book and study it if you haven't done it yet. Here are some facts about who we are in Jesus. We've been washed sanctified and justified. Imagine a church full of adulterers, homosexuals, thieves, robbers, murderers. I mean, what a congregation. And that was the church at Corinth. So Paul writes to these Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. He says, you know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. So don't be deceived. Adulterers, fornicators, homosexuals, sodomites, drunkards, revilers, and all these kinds of things, they will not get into God's kingdom. And he says, 
And such were some of you. I says, I know you guys. Y'all came from this background. Such were some of you, but now you are washed. Meaning, you're not dirty anymore. You've put off that street kid's clothes out there. You're clean. Now you've got a robe of righteousness. You're washed. You're sanctified. You're holy. And you are justified. There is no condemnation on you. Amen? So in Christ, let's say this together. In Christ, I am washed. I'm sanctified. I'm justified. Washed means you're not dirty anymore. Tell your neighbor you're not dirty anymore. You may not smell like it, but you're not dirty anymore. <laughs> you're washed. You're sanctified. Means you're holy now. You're holiness unto the Lord. You're a holy person to the Lord. And you're justified, meaning God doesn't condemn you. Listen, if God doesn't condemn you, then I have no right to condemn you, and neither do you have any right to condemn yourself. Amen? So stop inflicting wounds of condemnation against yourself. Because God does not condemn you. Now some of us, even when the devil is not around, we continue doing the devil's job for him. We keep accusing ourselves. The devil is the accuser of the brethren. He accuses us. When he says, man, I'm tired, I'm going off. He says, don't worry, devil, I'll keep doing your job. <laughs> and we keep condemning ourselves, accusing yourself, putting yourself down. Come on. Don't do the devil's job for him. Stop accusing yourself. And embrace the fact that in Christ Jesus, you are just as if you've never sinned. That's powerful. For God to say, I know you were a drunkard. I know you were an adulterer. I know you were this, but now you are just as if you never sinned. That's how I see you. It's time for you and me to embrace it and say, God, I thank you. You did that for me in Jesus. Never mind the past. Today I stand before God justified. Amen? Another Important truth of who we are in Christ. We are blessed with every blessing. Ephesians 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. So in Christ, you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing, meaning every blessing that God has has already been granted to you in Christ. So now it's no longer an issue of trying to convince God to give me that blessing. It's what, what, what remains is for you and me to release our faith and receive what has been given to us. Amen? See, some of us have the wrong idea, the street kid mentality. I need to convince this big man that he has to give me something. Imagine the kid living in this big mansion and he still feels he's got to convince the father 
to still give him something. So every morning he said, Dad, are you going to give me my breakfast today? And what, what, what does the dad think? Kid, I've given you more than breakfast. I've given you the entire mansion with servants, food, anytime, whatever. But a street kid still thinks that way. Some of us believers still think like that. Even though God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. It's yours. Now it's up to you and me. Say, okay, God, I believe it. I'm going to use my faith to receive what I need to live this life and do the things you've called me to do. Amen? Let's say this together. In Christ, I have been blessed with every blessing that comes from God. You've been blessed with it. It's in the realm of the Spirit. Amen? I like what Don Gossett used to say. He said, I am blessed with heaven's best. Amen? So every time you remind yourself, I am blessed with heaven's best. Maybe you're driving this old car. You see somebody driving with a nice car. Instead of getting jealous of him, you say, I am blessed with heaven's My present situation is no indication of my final destination. Amen? Right now I may be driving this car, but hey, I am still blessed with heaven's best. I am blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. That truth will not change. So don't judge me by these little things here. Amen? You and I as believers must carry an attitude of blessedness. That means I'm blessed. I may not always wear the finest clothes and I may not wear a, you know, always have the finest thing. That doesn't matter. I am blessed because His Word says God has blessed me with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Amen? And that blessing doesn't depend on all these things outside. In Christ, we've been made victorious. 2 Corinthians 2.14 says, Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph. In? He always. Not just on Sundays. You come to church on Sunday, you know, Pastor Jakes is leading the victory song, you know, Hail Jesus, you're my king, or whatever, you know. And you feel so victorious. You jump and shout and dance. And, and you feel like, at the moment the service is over, you're on your way out, the level is slowly decreasing. By the time you go from church to home, Everything is like, oh no, God, I'm under the, you know, the grinding stone again. And all sense of victory and triumph, all is gone. Listen, we don't live like that. The Bible says, he always, including Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. He always causes us to triumph. In the morning, as soon as you go to the office and, and uh, your colleague gives you a nice smile, oh, good. In the afternoon, when your boss calls you up and says, I need to do a performance review, and you're, oh, no. Instead, you say, yes. He always causes me to. I'm going to come through a winner. How is it going to happen? It's not my problem. His word says, he always causes me to. When the HR department sends out an email saying, you know, 
Due to the financial situation of company, sales was down last quarter. We are planning to cut down 25% of our staff. You read the email and you're immediately thinking of your, the loan you've taken for your house, the car. And all this and you think, man, what if I lose my job? What's the next thing that should come up in you? Thanks be to God. He always causes me to. Whether I get the goodbye email or not, doesn't matter. God always causes me to. That's it. Don't worry about the circumstances. He always causes you to triumph in Christ. You know, none of us are immune to adversity. In different points in life, you will face your challenges. You will have these disappointments. You will have these discouragements. You will have setbacks. You will, all of us face it. But you have a choice. That in those moments, you still have the spirit of a conqueror inside of you. Not because of the situations or the outcomes you're expecting in the natural, but simply because in Christ you have this promise, you have this word that says, He will always cause you to. God, I don't know how this is going to work out, but one thing I know, you will cause me to triumph. You will cause me to come out on the victory side. How it's going to happen? Might be beyond me. I can't figure it out. But that doesn't matter. His word says. He causes me triumph. So no matter what situation. You live with that attitude of, of victory. You live with that sense of victory. You live with a conqueror. You're still at peace. It's like Jesus in the middle in the boat. In the storm. What's he doing? I know you're practicing what he's doing. Let me try this. <laughs> in the middle of a storm. In the boat. What is Jesus doing? Uh, these guys, are <laughs> those guys in church are asleep. Right? <laughs> I'm just joking. So, in the middle of a storm, Jesus is asleep. That's the spirit of a conqueror. He's not worried. Amen. He's asleep at peace. You and I, in Christ, we reign in life. Romans 5.17 says, If by one man's offense, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through one Jesus Christ. Romans 5 is an amazing chapter. Paul tells us, let me sum it up. Paul says, Adam... One man's disobedience affected the entire human race. It threw the entire human race as slaves in bondage to sin, Satan, and death. One man's disobedience brought condemnation and judgment upon the entire human race. But then he says, then came the second man, the second Adam. Through one man's obedience, abundance of grace, and the gift of righteousness was given to the human race, to all who believe. Through one man's disobedience, Adam, 
the entire human race was made subject to sin, Satan, and death. Through one man's obedience, grace was given, righteousness was given, and they are now able to reign or rule in life. Meaning, these people who have received or recipients of this abundance of grace and righteousness, the gift of righteousness, they actually can reign, have dominion over sin, Satan, and all these things that came in through the fall. Amen? This is the life we are called to live. We are called to live not out of our identity in Adam, but we are called to live out of our identity in Christ. If you live out of Adam, you're a slave to sin, sickness, Satan, and death. If you live out of Christ, you reign, meaning you have authority now over everything that came in through the fall, over sin, over sickness, over Satan, and everything that comes in through that. The choice is yours. Do you want to live as a slave or do you want to reign in life? God says, those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will, will what? Reign. So say this with me. I have received abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. So I reign in life. I reign in life. Come on, say it like you mean it. I reign in life. Let's say it again. I reign in life. Adam made us slaves. Jesus causes us to reign. Meaning, have authority, have dominion in life. Why? Because of His abundance, abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. So when you see situations, circumstances, you live out of that. I've, I'm going to reign over this. I'm going to dominate this. I'm going to overcome this. I'm not going to let this put me down. I'm not going to let this control me. I'm not going to let this become the ceiling in my life. I'm going to break through this. I'm going to break past the ceiling. I'm going to reign in life because I have received abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. Amen? One last truth and close with this. In the mind of God, we are identified with Christ. That means even before we were born, God did a lot of things for us in Christ, which is spiritual truth, reality, and then He says, I want you to live out of it. We are identified with Christ. When Christ was crucified, we were crucified with Him. When He was buried, we were buried with Him. When He was raised from the dead, we were raised with Him. When He ascended into heaven, we ascended with Him. When he sat down the right hand of the Father, we sat down with him. This is spiritual truth. God has already done it. When Christ was crucified, Romans 6, 6 says the old man was crucified. Meaning our sinful nature was brought to an end. We are free from the power of sin. When Christ was buried, it means we are separated from our old life. The old has gone. Nothing of your old life has the right to control you. When a terrible drunkard dies, that's the end of his addiction. Amen? Say this to me, I'm dead. The old has come to an end. When Christ was raised from the dead, you and I were raised to walk in a new life. We have a new way of living. When Christ ascended, we ascended with him, the Bible says. That means we are no longer controlled by this present evil age. 
Paul says, Christ has delivered us from this present evil age. We are not conformed to this world. We do not live by the patterns and the systems of this world. We have been raised with Jesus. If you be dead with Christ, set your heart, mind, and things about where you are, your life is hid with Christ in God. I'm living there. Been setting my affections on things about. I've been raised. And when Jesus sat on, the, sat on the right hand of the Father, we were seated in that place of authority. You are in a place of authority. Amen? All this has been done. There's a whole lot more in, in the New Testament of who we are in Christ. I want to encourage you to discover it because when you and I understand this truth, it is a powerful truth. We live out of it. Jesus said, you live, abide in me, and I in you. You live out of this life in Christ. Another very important thing is that we must acknowledge the good things that are in us in Christ. Don't talk about who you are in the natural all the time. Because in the natural, all of us have flaws, have weaknesses, have our limitations. And if I look at you and I only point out the wrong things in you, and you look at me and you only point out the wrong things in me, we'll have a bad time. But Paul says, Philemon 1 verse 6, he says, that the fellowship of your faith may become effectual. I mean, this is true fellowship. What is it? Acknowledging every good thing that is in you in Christ. So how can we have true fellowship? When I look at you, not for, only, not I look at all your weakness, but I look at you and acknowledge the good things that are in you because you are in Jesus. And do this for yourself. Acknowledge the good things that are in you because you are in Christ. Do this for others. Acknowledge the good things that are in them because they are in Jesus. That's true fellowship. Amen? I want to give an invitation here this morning for anybody who is not in Christ. You heard this message. Maybe you are a visitor or maybe you've come to church a few times. You heard me say that you're not a Christian until you are in Christ. Having a Christian name, going to church doesn't make us Christians. But embracing Jesus, our Savior, Letting Him come into our lives, make us born again, bring us into Him. That's what makes us true Christians. Is anyone here this morning? You want to pray a prayer right now? Saying, yes, I want to be in Christ. Would you follow me in the simple prayer right now? Inviting Jesus into your heart and asking Him to bring you into this wonderful life in Christ. Would you say this would be, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive my sins. Make me a new creation. Bring me into Christ. And give me this new life. Do this in me, Lord. Pray, ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. 
Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.